0: You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We uh, last week were looking at Paul's prayer uh, that he prays for uh, the believers here that are initially reading this um, letter. He had started that prayer in the beginning of chapter 3. And they got sidetracked talking about his ministry to the Gentiles. And then he comes back to that prayer in verse 14. And it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so we were talking last week about how God provides the supernatural ability for us to carry out His plans for the gospel by giving us the strength needed to change our inner beings and the strength needed to comprehend His love together. And so we were talking about this twofold piece here of praying for the strength, the supernatural strength, to be changed inwardly so that Christ can dwell in us fully. And then also praying to comprehend his love so that we can better love others around us. Um, And so we saw the correlation there that the more we understand the, the height and depth and width and length of God's love, the better we understand his love for us, the more likely we are to then live out that type of love towards other people around us. And so I challenged you last week to be praying for God to give you daily power to further change your inner being while you reflect more and more on his love. And then to start praying for wisdom, particularly even in how we um, will locate ourselves for C-groups in the fall. And so we talked about the change with our C-groups being that we're going to have six C-groups instead of three C-groups for the fall. And that we're giving you the freedom to uh, sign up for the one that makes most sense for you and your family. Whether it's location, whether it's uh, relationships, whether um, it's... um just kind of your desire to get to know other people that maybe you haven't previously gotten to know. Um, The location piece being a key piece sometimes for us during the the week, the schedule uh, that we're kind of playing out, and and what is most convenient for us to be able to gather and to connect regularly. And so um, this is the way that we live out our love for each other, particularly in this church, as we take a bigger church and and make it smaller, um, giving us practical ways to live out with relationships. And so I challenge you to start praying about that even as we look towards the fall I've been really encouraged this week as I've had several conversations with um, church family, church individuals, uh, and in those conversations it's come up, this concept of the supernatural power needed for certain things to be accomplished in our lives. And so just in conversations about what's going on in, in family life and individuals' lives, um, repeatedly this week, we referenced uh, together the need for supernatural power, for God to come in and to intervene and to change certain circumstances and situations. And, and the good thing is what we see in Scripture is that God has promised to do this, and God is capable of doing this. And so it comes to verse 20 today in our text, where we really see his capability of carrying out what Paul prayed for last week. And so, again, he's praying that the people of the church— us included would have supernatural spiritual strength to be changed inwardly so that Christ can dwell in our hearts fully. Also so that we would understand his love for us so that we can then love others better. And it says in verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the the kind of passage that I think you come to, and it doesn't need to be unpacked maybe as as much as other passages. It's kind of this passage where you just need to kind of rest in it and just kind of meditate upon it and really contemplate and think, like, what does this mean? And, and, And what are the implications if this really is true, right? It says that he's able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. And so Paul's saying the things that we ask for in prayer, the things that we think about that we don't ever actually translate to a prayer, God is able to exceed those things far more abundantly. And then he talks about the power that allows him to answer those type of prayers. It's the same power that's at work within us. And that together, working in us and answering our prayers, he's working towards the glory of Christ Jesus in the church, not just now, not just way back then, but throughout all generations, forever and ever. It's a really cool way that he caps this whole prayer off. He's praying for specific things and then basically assures us that God is fully capable of answering his prayers, but really even exceeding the expectations that he has for how God will answer these prayers. So our summary sentence for today... As we pray for God's power to change us inwardly and for his love to transform our human interactions, we are to pray believing that he is able to answer these prayers in ways that exceed our expectations. As we pray for God's power to change us inwardly and for his love to transform our human interactions, we are to pray believing that he is able to answer these prayers in ways that exceed our expectations. For our kids, God is able to answer our prayers in ways that we cannot even imagine. God's power is available to us, and it's a power that can change us inwardly. It's a power that can help us see his love and then transform our human interactions to love others the ways that he loves us. And we're to pray for these things to happen in our life, not to just assume that they're automatic, but to pray for God to give us these things. And we can pray believing that he's able to exceed even our own expectations for how he would answer these prayers. Paul's praying specifically for the power to be worked in us and for the love to be understood by us so that we can supernaturally live out our faith. So we saw last week there's this love that God has for us that really surpasses our knowledge. It's it's a love that we can't fully fathom. I told you, though, that God goes to great lengths to keep giving us pictures and different angles to see that love, whether it's showing us the love that he has for us even in the midst of our unfaithfulness. He does that through the picture of Hosea and Gomer. Um, He does it by showing us the picture of the prodigal son, the God who's there ready to receive us and to welcome us, even running to us when we've gone wayward in our lifestyle, right? And so different angles, different pictures, different attempts by God to help us fathom his love, even though it's unfathomable, even though it's uh, surpassing our knowledge. Now we get into this week, uh, not only is his love surpassing our knowledge, but his capability of doing surpasses our imagination. It goes beyond the things that we can ask or think about. He's capable of so much more than we can imagine. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul brings up this same idea with the church at Corinth. He says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches even the depths of God. Right, like We can't even fully imagine and comprehend the things that God has in store for us, the things that God wants to do for us, the things that he's capable of doing. And as Paul is praying here, he's praying to the best of his ability for the things that he understands that this church needs, understands that we need as believers today. But even there, he's admitting, man, God's going to do this in ways that I can't even imagine, ways that I can't fully even comprehend. And so let's unpack this, Um, even though I don't know that it needs a ton of unpacking. I want to kind of draw some attention to some specific aspects of how he caps off this prayer for us to leave with today. Number one, we pray confidently to a God who is able. We pray confidently to a God who is able. The Old Testament goes to great lengths in various passages to talk about how the idols that Israel was worshiping weren't capable of doing the things that they wanted them to do, right? That they were sticks and stones and pieces of wood that that weren't capable of meeting their needs. Whereas we serve a God who's very much capable. Uh, He has the ability to do so. Um, Number one, he's active and responsive to the requests that we bring. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, Right? The implication there is that he is a God who is able. He's a God who's able to do things in response to the things that we ask or think. And so he's a God who has our attention, right? Right? We are fully known and fully aware by him as to the things that we need, and and he certainly hears our requests when we bring them to him, and he's capable of doing something with them. He's active, responsive to the requests that we bring. There's theologies out there that would teach that, yes, there's a God. Yes, he created everything, but he is not actively engaged with his creation now. He's removed himself. He's allowing things to just play out as is but he's not actively engaging with his creation. That's false. That's that's incorrect. That's inconsistent with what God's word has to say. Instead, we see that he is a God who is able. He is a God who hears. He is a God who listens. He's a God who responds. He's active. He's responsive to the requests that we bring. But number two, he's also capable of what we verbalize, what we imagine, and then infinitely more than both of those things. He's a God who's capable of doing what we verbalize in the form of a prayer. But then there's those things that we don't even get to the point of verbalizing. There are thoughts that we have, things that we would like for God to do, things that we perceive that we need for God to do in us and through us. But it never translates to our prayer life. It never translates to a formal request. And and sometimes even God answers those thoughts that we have that we don't ever verbalize to Him as a prayer Uh, But beyond that, not only can he answer the things that we ask and then the things that we think about, but he goes even further to do infinitely more than both of those things. He's capable. He's active. He's responsive. He's able to do. Most of the commentators talk about this pyramid of God's power that that Paul kind of reveals here, this idea that he is a God um, who's able able to do what we ask, able to do what we ask and think, able to do more than we ask and think, able to do far more abundantly than what we ask or think. And so they talk about it in the form of a pyramid. So I tried to create that visual for you today as far as what's kind of being played out and presented here in Paul's prayer as he caps everything off here in chapter 3. He's saying that God is able to do specifically that he's able to do what we ask, but even more than what we ask, he's able to do what we ask and think, but even more than that, he's able to do more than we ask and think. In fact, he's able to go far above what we ask and think. Right? He's able to do far more abundantly than we ask and think. He's he's able to exceed our expectations, but not by just a little bit. Far more than what we could ever imagine. God is able to exceed our expectations. And and you could testify to this if we had a time right now where we could kind of share things that you've prayed for in the past and ways that God has exceeded those expectations, ways that God answered certain things maybe completely differently Than you were praying for and anticipating. Maybe he went in a totally different direction than what you were asking him to do. Or maybe he went in the direction you were asking, but just further exceeded the expectations that you had in taking you in that direction. We all have stories and accounts like that. He's able to do, but he's able to do far more than we can ask or think, and not just by a little bit, but by a lot. I think we start with this idea of he's able to do. The key point is that he is able. He has the power to do so, right? He's not lacking in power. This is where when we talk about the attributes of God and his omnipotence, particularly here, his all-powerfulness, right? That he's capable of doing anything and everything that he wants to do. He's not the type of God who wants to do certain things, but is incapable of carrying it out, right? Uh, Human uh, leadership is limited in its capabilities of doing what it wants to do, right? Even good leadership may want to do certain things, may want to carry out certain things, but doesn't possess the all-encompassing power to do so. But God's not like that. God has all the power needed to do anything and everything that he wants, and we can rejoice in that today. That his omnipotence presented in Scripture tells us that he is able, he has the power to do so. What's great, though, is that God also has the wisdom to know whether he should or should not. Think about that for a minute. He has the ability, he has the capability, he has the power to do everything that we ask, everything that we ask and think, more than we ask and think, far more abundantly than we ask and think, but he also possesses the wisdom to know whether he should or shouldn't. Right? He's not just an all-powerful genie that we just come to and just throw out requests and say, God, do this, God, do this, God, do this. I believe you have the power to do so. And then have God respond and say, you're right, I do have the power. I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this because I'm capable of doing all these things. No, God also has the filter of his wisdom, his all-powerful wisdom that can see everything and anything to know whether he should or should not act with his power. Right? Think about some of the things that we, we pray for and request and ask, and he chooses to answer completely differently in such a way where he does not provide what we were asking one commentator said god knows that in a fallen world perfect solutions do not exist and their dim reflections may only distract us from the dependence on him who must redeem us from all that falsely promises fulfillment let me say that again this is in the context of us praying for earthly things To be given to us, right? This could be in the form of a job, a spouse, a child, a new car, right? God knows that in a fallen world, there are not perfect earthly material solutions. They don't exist. And their dim reflections may only distract us from dependence on Him who must redeem us from all that falsely promises fulfillment. He's a God who's able to do anything that we ask or think, but he's also a God who is wise enough to know that he should not do everything that we ask or think. That this world cannot possibly offer us the fulfillment. And sometimes we come praying for earthly fulfillment. We come praying for certain things that we believe will satisfy us. And God says, no, I'm not gonna give you that because it won't lead to where you want it to lead. So he's wise enough to know whether he should or should not act. He's able to do the things that we ask. He's able to do the things that we ask and think. I love the, the difference between those two things. Right? I've, I've kind of alluded to it already this morning. We're prone to ask for what we think is possible from God, and then we also think about some other stuff that we never ask him about. Right? I, don't, I, don't, I think that's probably true for you. I know it's true for me. There are things that make it to my prayer list. There are things that I actually come to God for and petition him for. And it's typically the things, just being honest, that I've whittled down and believe that he, he might actually answer, right? Um, and then there's some other things that I think about that I'm like, man, I wish he would do these things, but I don't ever really get to the point of verbalizing them. I just kind of think about them. Like I'm riding around in my truck and I'm thinking, man, it would be awesome if this was happening. It would be awesome if this was happening. It'd be awesome if God did this or if God provided this, and then when it comes down to praying, I'm like, God, will you please do this, this, this? I'm asking for this. And some of these things that I've been thinking about never translate to my prayer life. And, and some of those things, maybe it's because I'm, I'm doubting his ability to do so, right? Maybe it's my, I'm doubting his desire to do so. But I think also there's, there's a part of me that just gets so used to the daily provisions that God gives that I just kind of assume upon his goodness and just assume if I need it, God's gonna give it to me whether I ask him or not. Right? You're, you're probably like that too. We, we get so used to God's provision that we just operate in it regularly, daily, that a lot of times we are thinking about things and we just assume if we need them, God will give them to us. And yet the Bible tells us something different, right? It tells us that we're to ask, that we're to come and petition our heavenly father who is the source of all good things, We're prone to ask for what we think is possible, and we're prone to think about some other stuff that never makes it to our prayer list. He's able to do more than we ask and think. He's able to do more. He's also able to do it better than we ask or think. But not only that, he's able to do it far more abundantly than we ask or think. The only thing limiting about God's power are our thoughts about it. Think about that. The only limiting thing about God's power are our thoughts about his power. Because we can't, we can't understand it. We can't fully fathom it, right? It goes beyond our imagination, beyond what we can think. The only limiting thing about God's power are the thoughts that we have about it. This, this term far more abundantly kind of reads funny to me in our language because in the original language, it's, it's basically a word in the Greek language, that Paul just made up. Um, he, he didn't have a great word to really emphasize what he's talking about here. It's really like he's saying God can do super abundantly all that we ask or think. Right? He's, he's trying to take words and combine them to make us see how great God's power is, how capable he is in doing things. His desires and plans for us are higher than anything we could ever plan for ourselves. One of the authors of the commentaries I'm reading, Tony Meridia, said, God can do more in response to one prayer than we can do in a hundred years of planning and plotting for ourselves. God can do more in response to one prayer than we can do in a hundred years of planning and plotting for ourselves. The God to whom we pray has a capacity that exceeds the people's capacity of asking or even imagining. The God that we come to in prayer has a capacity that exceeds our, our capacity to ask or to even imagine what he's capable of doing for us. We can't outthink or outimagine his abilities to do for us. So if you were asked the question, how much can, can God do for you? More. Like the simple answer is more. He can do more than what you can ask for. He can do more than what you can think about, what you can imagine. He can simply do more than that. We need a vision of God that increases our faith in his greatness. This far more abundantly power is available to us. But the question is, are we asking for it? Are we asking for God to do these type of things in our life? Or are we caught in that rut where we just assume upon God's goodness and we assume upon God's provision and we just believe if we need it, God will give it to us and we never come asking for it? I think it's important that we understand what prayer is and what prayer is not. Okay, so let me first by telling you what I believe prayer is not according to scripture. It is not an attempt to get God's attention, right? Like when we come to God in prayer, we're not alerting him to things that he's not aware of. We're not alerting him to situations that he's not fully involved in already. It's also not an attempt to inform God about our needs, Right? He's already aware of our needs. He's a good father who knows what we need. So we're not trying to get his attention. We're not trying to bring some piece to the table that's lacking for him. Hey, I don't know if you realize this, God, but I have this need and you're not meeting it. It's also not an attempt to make God do something. Right? like We're not trying to conjure up an, a, a response from God that he wasn't al- already willing, ready, ready, and desiring to do, right? So we're not trying to convince God to do something. We're not trying to make him aware of something that he's not made aware of already. We're not trying to wait, raise our hands and get his attention. That, that's what the false gods and the false uh, believers in the Old Testament were having to do with the ways that they worship, right? Think about Elijah on Mount Carmel where he's saying, hey, let's call down, for he- oh, let's call down fire from heaven, right? You call your gods to do it, I'll call my God to do it. And these, these false prophets of Baal are having to in a sense, try to get their God's attention. Like, hey, wake up. Like, hey, pay attention. We need something down here. You seem busy. You seem asleep. You seem preoccupied with something else. And Elijah's just kind of laughing about it, right? Like, why would you worship a God that you have to get his attention, right? We don't, we don't pray for those purposes. Instead, I think scripture is very clear that prayer is an acknowledgement that we are incapable of providing for ourselves, When we come to God in prayer, what we are humbly acknowledging, and this is hard as prideful, sinful human beings who are still being fixed, still being sanctified. When we pray, we are acknowledging, I'm incapable of doing this type of stuff myself. I need supernatural provision. I need supernatural help. It's an acknowledgement that we're incapable of providing for ourselves. It's also an acknowledgement that his will is greater than ours. Because here's what also scripture does. Scripture guides us in the types of things that we're to pray for, right? We're to pray consistently with his will, not for our own desires and cravings. So when we come to God in prayer, if we're coming to God in prayer the way that scripture tells us to, we are coming with an admittance that, hey, I need you. I need you fully in my life because I can't do the things that I need to be done in my life. I'm also acknowledging that your will is greater than my will. If that's the case, what prayer is not and what prayer is, the goal of prayer isn't to give us what we need. Catch that. The goal of prayer isn't to give us what we need. The goal is to give us what we need with Him getting the glory for doing so. Let me say that again. The goal of prayer isn't to give us what we need. He can give us what we need without us praying for it. The goal is to give us what we need with him getting the glory for doing so. Because look what's going on in this passage. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. What's the goal of God answering prayers for us and giving us this great supernatural power to be changed inwardly, giving us this supernatural comprehension of his love so that we can love others around us better? What's the goal? It's the goal is for him to receive the glory. He gets the glory by giving us the things that we need in response to us asking because then it's very clear where it comes from. It is very clear where it comes from. It's not by our human wisdom or our human action. It's from God and his provision. And so I often wonder sometimes, are there things that God hasn't provided and given to me? Because scripture says that's possible, that we have not because we ask not. Are there things that God hasn't given to me? Because it's things that I'm just expecting him to provide, but I'm not willing to ask. And by not asking if he were to just give them to me, he would be robbed of the glory of it because I'd be less prone to glory in him for the provision because there wasn't this whole process of me asking my dad for it, right? If he's just handing me things constantly without any asking on my part, man, I get very distracted by the things that he's given me and I lose sight of the one who's the giver of it, right? And so prayer is really meant to change us versus changing God's actions, right? It's meant to change us. It's meant to bring us into submission to the fact that he's the great giver, He's the great giver. The goal of prayer isn't just to give us what we need, it's to give us what we need with him getting the glory for doing so. So here's some questions for you to ask about your own prayer life. Am I even asking or thinking of things for God to respond to as the great giver of what I need? I mean, are we even asking for things from God, right? We're reading about the power and the ability that God has to give, to provide, to answer, But we have to ask ourselves the question, are we even asking for things from God? Are we even thinking of things that God could do for us? James chapter 4, a passage that we studied recently in our D groups, verses 1 and 2. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So let's pause here for just a second and let me ask you, what types of things are you asking of God right now? What types of thoughts are you even having about what would have to be God if it were to happen in your life? Even if it's not making its way to your prayer life, right? There are things that we may think about um, that we know God's gonna have to do this, but we just get so busy, we never even actually ask him for it. And I was convicted this morning thinking about this, there are a couple of ways. One, um, James and I were having a phone conversation this week, and he asked me specifically how he could pray for me. And so I mentioned to him that I was dealing with something at work that I was really not wanting to have to deal with. And so just praying for some resolution there. And so he prayed for me over the phone with it and said that he was going to continue to pray about it. Well, then I get off the phone and I'm like, well, if James is going to be praying about this, I probably should be praying about this too, right? Because I've, I've been just kind of operating under the, the guise of God will just work this out because he always works things out for me, right? And so knowing that James was going to be praying about this situation in my life, it led me to then pray about that this week, multiple times that God would resolve this situation. And it gave me great joy to be able to call James and say, hey, this has been answered. Like, like God has done this and really did it honestly in ways that I didn't imagine were possible. Because I had a scenario, honestly, I'm just being honest, I had a scenario where I said, this is how I want this to turn out. And I even told staff members, that's not possible, though. So we're going to back it up and hope that this is how it turns out. And then God said, "Eh, I'm going to do what you said was not possible. And so it's going to work out this way, right? Now, I could have just sat back and waited for that to happen. Had it happened and been like, that's crazy right? But the fact that James and I have a conversation, here's how I need prayer. Now, I'm going to start praying for that too, knowing that somebody else is praying for it, right? That leads to even a conversation here in a sermon where if that wasn't transpiring that way, God's not getting the glory that he can get right now by me saying, hey, God did something that I deemed impossible, which is really silly because it wasn't that crazy of an insolution, right? <laughs> like, like, God didn't have to tap into his full reserve of power to do this, right? But my expectations were so low for how God could work this out, I just kind of chalked that up as not possible. Why? Because it involved human hearts that were going to have to be changed, which does require a supernatural peace that we saw last week. And I knew I'm not capable of changing those hearts. But he is, and he did, and he exceeded my expectations in how he did it, right? He's capable of doing far more than we can ask or think. But the question is, are we asking and thinking? the things for God to respond to as the great giver. I'm I'm convicted because I don't, so so Lauren and I would love, we would love to move from where we currently live and purchase a a house that's bigger that would allow us to either grow our family more biologically or uh, to even explore what it looks like to foster and to adopt, um, to increase our ability to be hospitable. As our family has grown, our space is shrinking, Right. We talk about a house a lot. We talk about wanting a house a lot. We talk about how God's gonna have to provide a house for us to get a house, right? It does not translate to my prayer life like it needs to. It's in my thought process a lot, right? I'm thinking things, but it doesn't make its way to my prayer life enough, right? So my challenge to you is, are you asking and thinking about things for God to even respond to as the great giver? Second question, am I asking and thinking for things aligned with his will for his glory? Or am I only desiring my cravings? Because James goes on to say, hey, it's not just that you'll have if you start asking. What does he say? He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. So there's certainly a type of motive and perspective that we have to have if we're going to see God's answers to our prayers. 1 John talks about this too. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive for him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. What does he say there at the beginning part? Whatever we ask, we receive from him if we're keeping his commandments and doing what pleases him. Why is that? It's not that God is like, hey, in response to your great obedience, right? Now you can go to the treasure chest and just get whatever you want to, right? That's how, that's how classrooms work at school, Right? You do a bunch of good things today, you've earned the right to go to the treasure chest and you can pick whatever you want to out of that treasure chest. What's, what's happening here is different than that because what, what John is saying, if we are living out our life in obedience to God's commands and doing what pleases him, that perspective is gonna shape the things that we're even asking for, right? If we're aligning our lives with his will, then our prayers are gonna be aligned with his will as well and the types of things that we're even praying for are gonna be consistent with his will, and it's those things that he wants to answer. Am I faithful to pray regularly for the things that stretch my imagination? Or am I like my kids who barely look for something and call it lost? Think about this. My kids are prone to come to me and say, hey, I've lost something, right? And I can't find it, and I've looked everywhere, right? And rarely does it take me longer than one to two minutes to go find it, right? Sometimes it's sitting on the couch. Sometimes it's sitting in the middle of the living room floor, right? Rarely do I find things that have been tucked away and hidden in the deep, dark crevices of our house where a young child would be unexpected to find these things, right? But our kids are very quick to say, hey, I looked for this and I can't find it, but I have no idea where it is. It's just completely gone, right? But sometimes we treat situations in our life like that, Right? There's another situation at school where I was uh, just super discouraged about it. And I called one of the other principals to, and it just basically said, I've done everything. Like, I've done everything possible to fix this and, and, and to have this happen. And, and it's just not happening. And then that principal started talking about, like, just the role of prayer in our life and, and how God can do far more than we ask or think. And I'm thinking, like, Man, I'm preaching on that this week, too. Right. And I, and I was convicted because it's like, I'm acting like my kid who says I've lost something and I've looked everywhere and all hope is lost when I'm talking about something not working out the way that it should in my life, and I really haven't been praying over that situation at all, right? Not even like, hey, I've prayed for this for 10 minutes and, and God didn't answer it. Like, I haven't even prayed about it at all, really, right? Man, I, I want to encourage you and challenge you. Are you asking and thinking for things that God can respond to? Are you asking and thinking for things that align with his will? And are you doing so regularly, Are you asking and thinking of things that even stretch your imagination for what God can do? Trusting in his ability to do it. Going back to that uh, pyramid. He's able to do, he's able to do what we ask. He's able to do what we ask and think. He's able to do more than we ask and think. He's able to do far more abundantly than we ask and think. But I started asking myself, what if he's limiting what he's doing based on the type of things that I'm asking, right? He's capable of doing far more abundantly than we ask and think. But what am I asking and thinking for? And so I got to thinking, like, what if you flipped that pyramid around and thought of it this way? What if God is willing to respond and, and dump answers into a funnel more like it to where whatever we're asking for that's aligned with his will, that's part of his purposes, he's willing to answer, He's willing to do it to what we even think about, not necessarily ask. Maybe it doesn't even get verbalized as a prayer, but just because we're thinking about it, we're gonna give glory to him if he does it. And then he's gonna exceed that. So if you think about like him just funneling in like answers to the things that we come asking him for as our great provider, the more we move up that pyramid, the more that we're asking for, the more that we're asking and thinking, now he's doing more than we ask and think. I'm just telling you, if he's willing to do more than I ask and think, I want to make sure that I'm asking and thinking for things that align with his will, that are part of his purposes, right? Like I'm quantifying it. I'm not going to be guilty of what James says, where I'm just asking and thinking to meet my my cravings and desires. But there are good and healthy things that I want God to do that too oftentimes I do not take the time to ask him for. And I just leave it up to, man, if he wants me to have that or if he wants to do that, he'll do it, whether I ask him or not. And he certainly can, and sometimes he may certainly do that. But if I'm not asking, then he is robbed of the glory because I'm not faithfully drawing attention to the fact that he's provided it because I'm not making myself self-aware enough to know that I needed it and I had to go to him for it, right? The implication is that we ought to pray with great expectations when we pray for the types of things we know to be God's will. We ought to pray with great expectations when we pray for the types of things we know to be God's will. Because those are the things that we're basically guaranteed He will do. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. Now again, it's quantified, right? It's the things that align with his will, but if we are praying according to his will. Now, let's think in context here. What is the context of Paul's prayer? He is saying that he desires and is praying for inward supernatural power to change the hearts of these people to where their hearts are aligned with what Christ wants them to do. And that he's also praying that they would understand God's love in such a way that they would love each other better because we're talking about Jews and Gentiles, people from different backgrounds coming together And it takes supernatural power to love people that aren't like you. We can pray for those things and we can pray confidently that God's gonna answer those things. We can pray that God will change our heart to make us more like his son and be totally confident that he will. And be totally confident that he will because we're asking him. And so when we see it happen, we're gonna be quick to give him the glory and honor for it. We pray confidently to a God who is able. Number two. We pray submissively to a God who is stable. We pray submissively to a God who is stable. Now, we pray confidently to a God who is able. What do I mean by praying submissively to a God who is stable? The word stable in the English language that I chose to use for our outline today carries the idea of like a fixed, a fixed idea or a fixed purpose. And he is certainly a God who is stable in what he is doing with his sovereignty, right? Because we go back there to Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. He's able to do far more abundantly than what we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory. That's where everything is headed. We've seen this at multiple times in the book of Ephesians, that it's all about him receiving the glory. And so we come praying submissively That as we ask for God to do certain things in our life, we are asking him under the umbrella of him receiving the glory for it. So number one, his abilities are used for his glory to be seen through Christ in us as individuals and as the church. He's using this omnipotent power. He's using these abilities to do things and to answer things and to respond to things that we come asking for. He's using them for his glory, and his glory is seen through Christ, Christ living in us as individuals and as the church. He says this power is at work within us as individuals. Why? So that he receives glory in the church through Christ Jesus. So he wants to to provide for us as individuals, but not just as individuals, but as a church collectively too. There's things that we need to live out God's will for our individual lives. And there are things that we need for us to live out God's will for this church as well. And God is in the business of providing both. When we ask for things that will further his His plan to bring all things under Christ, including helping us to become a fitting home for his spirit and to know the unknowable love of Christ, he will most assuredly answer. When we ask for things that will further his plan to bring all things together under Christ, right? When we ask and pray for unity to take place, for love to take place, for us to be a fitting home for his spirit to come dwell in, we can know that he is going to assuredly answer. His all-encompassing able power is at work in us to do all that he is revealing to be his will for us. For the purposes of our own Christ-likeness and his glory, God gives us exactly what we need. Let me say that again. For the purposes of our own Christ likeness and for his glory, he gives us exactly what we need. He's using these abilities for his glory to be seen through Christ in us as individuals and as the church. But here's where he goes even further with that. Number two, his abilities are used for his glory, not just for now, but for generations to come. It's not just that God's concerned about his glory in the here and now. Verse 21 says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. He sees into eternity what is needful for our souls now. But here's where I was really just like challenged this morning I was putting together final notes for this. You know, we talk a lot in terms of how God knew us before we were ever formed in our mother's womb, Right? He knew who we were. He knew our life. He knew what we were going to need. He knew us before we were ever formed. I don't typically think in the other direction. So I think in the past about how God has known me, but rarely do I think about how God knows my great great grandchildren already. And think about this He knows exactly what they're going to need. He knows exactly what they're going to need. And there are things that he may even be doing in my life right now to set me up to then set grandchildren up and great-grandchildren up for exactly what they're going to need for their souls too. It's all about all generations, not just this generation. I only know what I think is good for my immediate family. He knows what is good for for my children's children too. Think about that. He knows what's good for our children's children too. Now, it was, just to kind of illustrate this, we were at the Prahash's house last night, and Arun was telling a story, and I'm, I'm not going to spoil this, because he needs to tell this story to, to lots of people. Like It's, it's his recounting of, of the gospel coming to his family in India, And I was blown away by like all the pieces that he was able to share, the research that he's been able to do to see how God orchestrated the salvation of his granddad through missionary movements that were occurring over here in America. And to think about how God is concerned about his glory, not just from one generation, but for generations to come. And he is at work and moving in such a way to where I'm even thinking about my own life. Man, what if, so, I mean, if you'd asked me, I would have preferred to have been married far sooner than I was right? I'm praying for a wife, hoping for a wife. God brings a wife to me later in life than I would have chosen. But when I step back and look at it, I'm amazed at how God was working and moving and orchestrating everything for Lauren and I to come together. One reason I had to wait so long is because we had to get the age right, right? There's a big age gap there. So when I'm ready to get married, she's not ready to get married, right? But I even started to think like, what what if my grandkids... are are led to Christ specifically because maybe Lauren is sharing the gospel with them, right? And so God specifically chooses a wife for me, not just for my kids to hear the gospel growing up, but for my grandkids to hear the gospel from her, right? Like God is at work, not just for this immediate generation, but for generations to come. He's all about his glory, not just for the now, but for generations to come that we haven't even thought about. Right? I love the fact that God knew me in the womb. I don't regularly think about how he knows my great-grandchildren in the womb already before they're there. Man, he is all about his glory. We serve a sovereign God who rules over all things in all places, among all peoples, and for all ages. He is so able to do whatever he wants to do far more than we could ask or think. The implication... His greatness lets me believe in his goodness even when something I ask for is not answered according to my imagination. His greatness lets me believe in his goodness even when something I ask for is not answered according to my imagination. Because there are certainly things that we will ask for and think that will not lead to maximum glory for him and he will not let it come to pass. And it may seem like a good thing for us. It may seem like the best thing for us but he does things far more abundantly than we can ask or think. He exceeds our expectations. He exceeds our imaginations to where we may, be, we may be imagining one thing and God says, nope, we're gonna have to do it this way. This way is better. I'm capable of doing it your way, but this way is better. And so I'm gonna do it this way. His greatness lets me believe in his goodness at all times. The identity truth for us to remember today, every Christian can pray to God who is capable of doing far more Than we could ever ask of him. Every Christian can pray to God who is capable of doing far more than we could ever ask of him. Three questions that I want to leave you with as application for today. Number one, are you currently praying in a consistent manner for the things you and this church need to carry out God's will? Are you currently praying in a consistent manner for the things you and this church need to carry out God's will? Are you currently thinking about things you and this church need to carry out God's will that need to become prayers? Right? Let's let's take the, the thoughts and let's shift them down to the prayers. We're praying for things, we're all praying for things and we're all thinking about things that we never actually pray for. Let's shift the things that we're thinking about down to things that we we'll start praying about. Then we can replace our our missing thoughts now with new thoughts that can then be slid down to prayer requests as well. Are you currently thinking about things you and this church need to carry out God's will? that need to become prayers? And then number three, are you willing to pray for the far more abundantly power to be applied to areas where you have been doubting his ability? Are you willing to pray for the far more abundantly power to be applied to areas where you have been doubting his ability? I want to I stop there today because what I want to... So here's more confessions from your pastor about how I still need to be sanctified. I got here today and I was eating my breakfast, and I was checking my email, and I jumped on Facebook just finishing up my breakfast before I was going to finish studying and finalizing my notes, and something came across my newsfeed about a revival that this person was participating in, and I'm eating, and I clicked on it because I pridefully wanted to criticize their theology and whether that revival was even worth having because do they even have good theology, and so I go with impure motives, right, um, and then I'm looking at their agenda for their revival, and I see like a two-hour time slot, and all it says is prayer, and then the person that's going to like lead them in prayer. And my first thought was, that is a long time to pray. Like, who put that agenda together? Like, how's that even going to work, right? Then I finished my breakfast, and I got done, and I'm like, okay, now we're going to preach on the importance of prayer. And I was like, who's got the bad theology right now, right? Like, like these people are willing to say, hey, prayer matters and prayer is worthy of our time. And we're gonna carve cover out two hours of our revival meeting for prayer. And then I'm dismissing that in light of just about to preach on the importance of prayer. And so what I want us to do next week is to to be more application driven, not because next week is application Sunday, but I really want us to just simply try to apply this together, 20 and 21, and spend some time praying together next week, praying specifically for things that we as individuals need to carry out God's will, things that we as a church need to carry out God's will, and then to even let our imaginations be stretched a little bit so that God can exceed those things that we think and wonder, I know I'm supposed to believe that he's capable of doing this, but but is he really capable of doing this? And so what I want us to do is a little bit different next week, and that's to continue talking about verses 20 and 21, but to really emphasize us praying together as a church for some of these things that we're talking about, okay? Let me pray for us now. God, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. God, I'm thankful that you are a God who can do far more abundantly than the things that I can come up with to ask you for and to think about. But God, I confess and admit to you that I am, I am one who doesn't come regularly asking and thinking about the things that I should be, that I limit you far too often, Far too often, I presume upon your provision and goodness and just expect you to do things. And oftentimes, you still do them. And I know you're being robbed of the glory because I don't give you the credit for it. So, God, I pray that you would remind us today that you desire to do and to respond, not because you're in submission to us, but you desire for us to be in submission to you in such a way where we come as your needy children desiring to carry out your will, but also knowing that we cannot do it without your supernatural abilities given to us. So God, I pray that you change our hearts, change us inwardly to where we can be a place where Christ can dwell fully within us. Help us to know your love in such a way where we can love each other faithfully. God, give us the supernatural ability to do so and help us to trust and believe that you'll do it and that you'll exceed our expectations for that. God, challenge us in our own prayer life as we leave today. Lord, help us to be people who believe in your far more abundant power. God, help us to take the thoughts that we have about things that we want you to do in our life and to have those shift down to actually being prayers that we bring to you. God, if you're capable of doing far more than we ask or think, help us to be people who ask and think so that you can show your great power by doing more than we ask and think. Help us to stretch our own abilities to ask and think so that you can do far more abundantly than we ask. And think. We ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the Word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovereignhope.org. Again, that's www.sovereignhope.org.